Welcome to the Emblem Support Podcast. He and I are hiring the Grail Mercenaries for this podcast. I am Ordo, and he is Cardwiz. Build an army. Trust no one, except for us. This is the Emblem Support Podcast, and my good friend Ordo, we are about to embark on a glorious path of radiance. But first, before we embark on that journey, what have you been doing lately? Well, as you know, I have been playing Persona 5 Royal. I finally beat that game after, like, I think 160 hours, I want to say. Oh my <laughs> goodness, you you can sink a lot of time into that game. I have no idea how I put so much time in the game. The original Persona 5, I think I beat that one in like 80 hours somehow, when the average time is like 100. But Royal, I must have go- been going slow, even though I was using Fast Forward whenever I could. I ended up at 120 hours to 100% that one. I think Persona 5 Royal is, like, the perfect laundry and chill game, because there's so much spoken dialogue by the characters, you can just put it on auto while you fold your laundry. Auto is such a glorious feature that every single JRPG needs to have, period. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think I think my original Persona 5 was maybe 134, but also... it was I was still, like, new to Persona and the, and the format and everything, and honestly, that, that first Persona file... Persona 5 file that I did just it probably wasn't the best um, but on this one I was doing as much as I could because I thought um, some of the trophies were still the same from the original and they're actually not the trophies are actually a little bit easier this time to get uh, so much easier that I actually got a platinum on it it is incredibly easy to get the platinum on this game which I'm very thankful for I'm glad it's not one of those games where it's just like you have to get each and every single romance option on like an individual playthrough to 100% it or something ridiculous like that it is a very reasonable platinum that if you're just playing the game, you probably should get. Or just like one or two little things away. And I think it's actually my first like real platinum because the other platinums that I have are just from like the Zero Escape collection and you just get those from playing the game. Like no extra go out of your way stuff to do. All of my gaming since like achievements have become a thing in starting the 360 I think there's only like one or two games that have 100 of that i haven't just been that play the game you get the plat that's the classic games of castlevania harmony of uh dissonance is that what the castlevania hd the multiplayer one uh harmony of despair dissonance is i believe a game boy advance game i know there are two castlevania hds it's weird and i also have the 100 on the classic game one versus a hundred Oh, don't even back, get me please. started. Don't even get me started. Bring it back. Versus 100. I that game was so that was that was so good. It it was an amazing experience that I thought was going to continue on. I thought we were going to get all sorts of interactive game shows. It's just like, and we're in the era of battle royals now. One versus 100 was essentially the first battle royal game on console. Why don't they just do it again? It's all the rage. Just give me my game show battle royal. Yeah, unfortunately they said, oh, this technology will be used to improve, blah, blah, blah. And then we just never saw anything from it again. Um, moving on from that tragedy, though, I actually, um, surprisingly, I got a gift. It was um, the book of wrestling commentator Jim Ross, his second one called Under the Black Hat. I actually read that one in like three sittings. I just read 100 pages each. It was, It's, it's a really good one, and I, uh, I recommend it and his, and his first book. I'm shocked at the blasphemy of a book being read. You, you can read something besides text on a on a screen. Oh yes, uh, 
I can also uh, build a Gundam model kit, which I finished doing that too. So probably not so much as uh, some gameplay things, as just um, trying to uh, limit my screen time just a little bit for uh, the past month or so. That's probably a very smart and responsible thing, and I'll never do anything like that. For myself, I've, there have been a couple of games I've been playing. I've been just chipping away a few JRPGs. I've been playing Cold Steel 1 again because I want to play through 1, 2 before I get to 3 and 4. That's going to be like a 400, 5-hour journey. And I also played the game Sakura Wars. Have you heard of that one? I have. It is a fun game. It's a visual novel slash mech fighting game. I don't know if you'd be interested in playing such a thing. No, dating isn't my type of thing. Yeah. Maybe if it had robots or something, but... <laughs> I know. Sadly, the giant robot fighting portion is only probably like 20% of the game. Although you, there are a bunch of optional battles you can do, but they're just the same battles over and over and over again, so I wouldn't recommend it. This Sakura Wars is a reboot, right? It is a soft reboot, like the previous games in the franchise, which were pretty much exclusive to Japan, all except one, and were on systems like the Saturn. <laughs> yeah, well, Sakura so... Wars over there was actually a huge phenomenon. It is was a huge phenomenon. The animes are fairly popular over there. Dude, they had stage plays. Yes, it is a huge franchise, and I can see I'm I can see myself easily getting into this franchise because I'm a theater dork, and if you put a visual novel in a theater with giant robot battles in between the sections, I, I'm in. It's just like, oh, you tailor made a game for me. Thank you. It was a fun, silly visual novel, and the mech battles were just simple Musou-ish style fighting. It, not as good as like the Dynasty Warriors Gundam games. The designs aren't great. The controls are passable, average to above average, but it was a fun game. It was a fun game that I was able to beat in a couple sittings. Just fun, silly anime. I guess that's all we've really been up to. Um, as you know, uh, there was actually something that actually came out. I actually didn't put this in our notes. Uh, I just now actually pulled it up because it just clicked into my mind. But Famitsu actually ran something last month, uh, May 21st, when they did uh, their top five Fire Emblem titles. Uh, and this is based off a Japanese popularity poll, as I said, for the magazine Famitsu. I do love me some numbers. Can I do the numbers part? Okay, but what what, what do you think is yeah. number one? Number one is going to be... Mm, I'm going to go with Path of Radiance. I, actually, no. I'm, I'm, I think the zeitgeist, I think recency bias, I'm going to go Three Houses. I think Three Houses is going to be number one. Okay, okay. So we're going to go from five to one. So Cardwiz, give me that number. Number five. Fire Emblem, Mystery of the Emblem. And this one is the... Um, this one's the third title, the one that's the both sequel and remake to the first game. Little surprised to hear that one, but alright. Number four. Fire Emblem, The Blazing Blade. Nice. I, I'm happy to hear that. It's my favorite. I'm actually surprised, because I always heard that Binding Blade was the more popular of those of the two games in that um, duology. Maybe number six will be number three. We'll find out after we reveal number three. Should be no surprise to see this one up here, but Fire Emblem Awakening. No surprise. That three is a good number for that, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, actually, let me roll Let me roll back one just a little bit. Uh, of course, Fire Emblem, The Blazing Blade is the first localized title uh, that came out for the Game Boy Advance in uh, 2003. And then Fire Emblem Awakening is going to be the, uh, the first of the 3DS titles uh, that came out in 2012 in Japan and 2013 uh, internationally. You and your information informing the audience. Good for you. 
Number two. Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, that 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 actually is a surprise to me. Uh, and this one was, you know, released for the Switch. You know, what, 2019? Less than a year ago. We're approaching the one year anniversary. So you could probably say that, you know, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, it's got some recency bias with it. But, it, but I mean, it is it is fun. So I mean, I'm not gonna I'm gonna yeah. knock it from being number two. It's definitely a top three Fire Emblem game for me. I'm I'm happy to see it up that high. But okay, number one, there are two choices for that one. It's either Path of Radiance or it's uh, one that's over here that my mind just blanked on. Uh, Genealogy of the Holy War. I doubt they'd go original Fire Emblem. I don't think they would do that. Number one, Fire Emblem Genealogy of the Holy War. <laughs> and of course, that is the um, it's the fourth title in the franchise. It is the second title released in Famicom in the year 1996. I thought it was Super Famicom. Did I not say that? My bad. Super Famicom. I keep hearing amazing things about it. Maybe one day I'll play it, but I looked at the graphics and some of the gameplay. I don't know how much fun I would have it if I just played it emulated right now on my PC, which I don't like playing on. So probably unless a remake or it comes to the virtual console, which that's never going to happen. No, no. I doubt I'll play it. I'm very sad to hear that. I hear it's the best story in the franchise, period. uh, Maybe one day I'll play it. Maybe one day I'll play it for this podcast. Who knows? So, I mean, definitely interesting not to see, you know, Ike here or any of the Telius games. Maybe that's something that's loved more in America. I I honestly have no idea why those wouldn't be high up there. Why Path of Radiance wouldn't be high up there. I know why Radiant Dawn isn't up there and it should stay not up there. Well, the GameCube didn't sell that well in Japan. I think it only sold like two or three million units. And then Path of Radiance itself, um, because of that, you know, Path of Radiance didn't really sell well as well. It came out in like 2004 or 2005. That's kind of late into the life cycle of the GameCube. It was. If only there was some way to digitize games and put them on systems that are playable in modern fashions. No, that's eh, stupid. that's impossible. Stupid. Make people pay a hundred and... Oh, actually, you know what? You know what? I was recently in a game shop. Uh, I sent you a DM of that Kingdom Hearts uh, Game Boy Advance for like $300. <laughs> Dear Lord. In case, Path of Radiance for the Nintendo GameCube, they had a, they had a like, sitting on a display, $274.99. I make the joke every time, but I mean it. That's my retirement plan. It's so wild to think that, wow, I got this for cheap for $90. And I got it for cheap for 60 bucks back in the day. And mine didn't even come with a case, so. Boo. No case, no manual. Did it come with a Prima strategy guide? Nope. Nothing but uh, a nice, ugly, yellow CD thing. So now it just sits in my GameCube all the time. But you know what card was? You know, Father's Day just passed, right? Yes, it did. If only there were... A trope that is in just about every Fire Emblem game involving fathers that we could talk about. Oh, wait. Everyone lives, right? Just this one. Actually, no. Not, no it pretty much never happens. Let me give a shout out to Elliewood. Yep. Enjoy your, your sick bed. Too lazy to get out of bed to get killed. What was yeah. it thinking? Our format's going to be a little bit different this time. Rather than saving the playthrough for the very last part, we're actually going to do the playthrough right now and sort of weave our subject in and out. I, I thought we were going to do a certain support conversation first. Oh, you want to do that now? Yes, I think I'd rather do the support conversation. Okay, yeah, sure. Yes, we're going to talk about, go in-depth on Grail and his journey when we talk about the playthrough, because 
really they go hand in hand. If we talked about Grail and then talked about the playthrough of the first couple of chapters, there'd be a whole lot of just crossover that might as well integrate them together. But for the support, instead of talking about one of the best father figures this game series has come out with, I want to talk about one of the worst ones. We're going to have a support between Gilbert and Annette. Gilbert is a knight, or excuse me, a former knight who used to serve uh, King Lambert, who is Dimitri's father. And we kind of, you kind of requires some, just like a little bit of backstory for this one. Um, basically, after the tragedy of Dusker, um, Gilbert, who was known as Gustav back then, he's just like. He basically just ran away from everything. He ran away from his uh, duty since he failed as king. He ran away from his family. And he ends up just joining the Knights of Saros. And Annette has basically kind of, you know, chased him down, essentially. Yes, and throughout throughout the story of that game, if you learn more about the Kingdom of Fargus, knighthood is a huge thing. Honor is a huge thing. You see it in all the sports that involved Ingrid or Ash or even Felix to a degree. Honor is a huge thing there. The honor of a knight. And Gustav felt that he failed as a knight. And we see what happens to someone who just loses everything from everything that they've been up, brought up to believe in. So, uh, Cardwiz, I guess you'll be playing the part of Annette, and I'll, uh, I'll take old Gilbert here. It's because I'm a redhead, isn't it? I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But but on the flip side, I have gray streaks in my hair, so I mean, I'm perfect for Gilbert. Oh, and uh, note about these sports: you, since you only get G- uh, Gilbert after the time skip in the Blue Line storyline, Annette was at the school, and Gilbert was there at times five years ago, and they apparently never talked, even though Annette probably tried. So even though she saw him, this is the first conversation they probably had since she was a little girl. Yeah, yeah, there are some conversations with Gilbert, and he's like, oh, did you see that girl that kind of looks like me? Uh, well, and then he just kind of trails off. I wonder what he means by that. I don't know, they look kind of similar. Could they be family? I don't know. Guess we'll have to wait five years. There's absolutely no way they're family. Why would a father not talk to his daughter for five years? <clears throat> not even five years. Again, her whole, most of her life since the tragedy and Dusker. Bad dad. Let's talk about our bad dad. Let's learn about him a little bit more. Father, father, why do you pretend not to recognize me? Annette, I... I have been looking everywhere for you. Please stop treating me like a stranger. I can't bear it. Hmm. Father, wait. How long are you going to keep avoiding me like this? I have lost the right to face you or your mother. This has nothing to do with rights. We're family. I'm your daughter. Indeed. You are my daughter. Yet I am no father. I am only a fool who abandoned his family. You really think it was foolish to abandon us? I do. Then the least you can do is apologize. I'm fine, but Mother deserves as much. I finished my studies at the School of Sorcery and entered the Officer's Academy. I have a busy and satisfying life now, but... Mother, she waited for you to return all this time living under my uncle's roof. I... I am sorry, Annette. I already told you, don't say that to me. Apologize to Mother. Let her see your face. That I cannot do. I know you do not understand, but it is the way of things. 
As for you, Annette, say the word, and I will disappear from your life forever. For now, though, I must return to my duties. Gilbert leaves the scene. Father, how could you be so cruel? Worst dad ever. Doesn't start off great. Bad start. Let's see if he can redeem himself with the B support. What's wrong, Father? I didn't expect you to summon me. I carved this on a whim. I wish for you to take it, Annette. A wooden doll. You used to make these for me when I was a child. I still do it when the mood strikes. It's so cute. It's... Wait. No. What do you want from me? I want nothing. It was a carving, and I thought of you. I remembered how happy you used to be, and as a child when I handed one of these dolls to you. I was back then, but I'm not a child anymore. It's too late for this now. Father, it it doesn't make me happy anymore. Annette. I, I I was so lonely after you left. I was always, always alone. I didn't know where you were or who to turn to for comfort. All I could do was look at the dolls you carved for me and remember you and weep. If you don't need it, you can just throw it away. It is all the same in the end. I am sorry, Annette. I should have given more thought to my actions. Gilbert leaves the same. Father, wait. No. This will do it all. It would be better to throw this all away. Dot, dot, dot. You are too cruel, Father. Of course I can never throw it away. Again, no, I'm still worst father ever. Yeah. I'm, st- I'm still leaning towards that. Still not good. <laughs> will he redeem himself in the A support? Surely, surely he will redeem himself now. Praying, Father? Yes, praying is all I can do, for I am at fault for each death upon the cursed plain of Dusker. You keep saying it's your fault, Father, but you're wrong. His Highness doesn't blame you, and neither does King Lambert. I, I'm sure of it. But... I guess that's not the issue for you, is it? It was my duty to protect the royal family. I should have given my life to protect the king. Even if his highness has forgiven me, my knightly vows are still broken. My knighthood is still lost. That's obvious from looking at you, father. I think mother understood it as well. But before fleeing the country, I thought of your family, if only for a moment. Even if the whole world had condemned you, you would have always have been your we would have always been your allies i am sorry annette no i told you before i don't particularly want you to apologize annette yes father take this a bundle of letters there are so many look inside and you will understand should the contents make you sad please burn them (sighs) gilbert leaves again because that's what he does Father, for the love of... He's done it again. What have we here? Just as I thought. Letters from Mother and me. So many, but why? How? I suppose I'll have to read them if if I hope to find any answers. More boring, mopey Gilbert. Still the worst father ever. He he keeps managing to not be... But wait, what is this? There's a little plus marking next to this A. Hello, Father. May I have a moment? Of course. I I read all your letters. 
You never stopped writing them, did you? Hmm. My birthday, mother's birthday, every possible occasion without fail. Yes. So why didn't you send any of them? If you had sent even one, we would have... Each time I thought to send one, I could not do so. Such pa- such behavior belittled my penance. Time passed, and with it my feelings of guilt towards you and your mother grew. Even though I wrote letters, I could not send them. I would always talk about it with Mother. If only he'd write us at least one, we'd say. We waited and waited all of those long years. I am sorry. I'm tired of hearing it, so just stop. Your apologies change nothing. Send those letters to Mother. She'll be happy to hear from you. I cannot. In that case, why don't I send them? I have given them to you. They are yours to do with as you wish. All right, then. I'll send them. You don't get to take it back afterwards, Father. You should know that they made me happy. Happy? Knowing that you were thinking of us all along. We were worried about you, Mother and I. Neither of us ever came out and said it, but... We thought that you hated us. We're trying to forget about us. Never. I swear it on his late majesty, his late majesty, and on my homeland. I see. All right. Then swear. Swear that someday, when this war is over, you'll come back to us. I hear you, Annette. I'll return without fail. No matter what. That's a promise you just made. And if you break it, I will never speak to you again. Yes, I promise. Great. Now I'm positively elated. I can't wait until we're all a family again. I look forward to it, Annette. More than anything. It just feels so hollow, I think. It feels a little hollow, but it's something he's trying to redeem himself, but... Even though, like, he's being a really crummy father in these supports, I really like the support. It's just, like, we're seeing, like, depression and self-hatred and just, like, the... We're seeing, like, a mental illness within Gilbert that, like, he cannot forgive himself. He... And that has just driven him so far down this lonely road that he's brought him to the church. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of self-loathing, and the thing about the, the thing about the tragedy of Dusker, it's definitely something that's basically woven into the Black Lions, or I'm sorry, the Blue Lions, and you see it through several characters. But I think Gilbert, being a little bit older and actually having a more intimate relationship with King Lambert, you know, kind of informs some of his, um, his some of his actions. And we we see, as I said before, we see with Fargus, knighthood is everything, and him, his failing of the knighthood, his failing of protecting his king, just what he saw that day. Like we see what happens to Dimitri with what he saw that day. Gilbert also saw that he went down a different path, but it's not a better path. Yeah, I mean, when you see your beheaded father speaking to you, I mean, that, that's got to mess you up. Yeah, tragedy of Dusker, that. Tragedy for a reason. Like, the only two people that we know survived just went down awful, awful, just awful trails 
for their lives. Gilbert's a crummy father, but I think he can be a, he has shinings of a really good character. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the issue here is that he has a, that he has a wife and a uh, mother. I'm sorry, a wife, wife and daughter. And daughter. <laughs> if, if he didn't have a wife and daughter, the self-loathing probably wouldn't be as bad, but the fact that, you know, he abandoned his family, I think that's what like really hurts him in the support. It hurts in the support. Like, it's like, cause the, players aren't really going to feel much pity for this guy he this dude needs a psychiatrist more than anything in the world dear lord he needs to sit down with someone but that's not something that exists in this world so he's just on his own being mopey and being a really bad father oh dear lord he's a bad father yeah, and, and a number of his supports, I think, off the top of my head, I believe the one with Manuela also starts with him, like, standing in front of the, uh, well, he's actually in the church, I want to say in front of the statue, but there's actually uh, rubble there because of the time skip. I would say that I really like the support. I'd probably give it a four out of five. It's a, it's a three for me, I think, because I feel like it takes too long to get to, like, the resolution in the end. I feel like it should have been, you know... C is kind of the, if I were to do it, I would be like, you know, C is the reunion, B is sort of the awkwardness, A is sort of the return to normalcy, and then A plus would probably be like, you know, her inviting him back and him kind of maybe kind of going back into his shell just a little bit before eventually relenting and then saying, okay, yeah. Yeah, that final accepting of he's willing to potentially be a family again, it needs to be more than those last, like, five lines it needs to be just a little bit more than that just a little bit more progression to that but uh, i i still like the support gilbert awful father but let's talk about hopefully a father who most people in the fire emblem community tend to think is one of the better ones even though he has his flaws as well (laughs) so at long last we're here i busted out the gamecube had that bad boy hooked up And so now we're going to play Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance. Oh my gosh, we're returning to 2005. Could you believe these cutscenes? I remember being so hyped for them. And the cutscenes actually do look good, kind of. Um, some of the voice acting, on the other hand. I'm sorry, Mist. I'm sorry. The voice acting is just, it's, it's not good. Um, but I will say that these cutscenes actually have a nice flow to them. They're not like the 15 frames per second cutscene that you see from Echoes and uh, Three Houses. So, that, I mean, that's a plus. Cutscenes do look good for the time. There aren't many of them. The opening cutscene is a little bit disappointing because the the opening cutscene is a lot of stills at times with that one fire sort of animation thing that they managed to figure out that they end up putting over that weird emblem thing that we find out, find later, whatever that mysterious emblem is with the fiery blue light on it. Yeah. Card was it's, we'll figure, it's we'll not, figure that out some other day. It's not a, it's not what, what you would call a fire emblem. So you need to you need to chill out. You, you're, what, who said anything about a fire emblem? I don't know. Well, 
Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's get to it. So, in that open in the yeah. opening cutscene, uh, we see Ike training a little bit, but basically gets bested by Grail. And then we get to play prologue, mercenaries. We have Grail and Ike fighting with wooden swords, and then Grail just slams them in the back. He doesn't see it coming. He goes down. One, two, three. Ring the bell, and Miss comes in to tell everyone to come in for dinner. But Ike is knocked out, and then he sees his mom, who's dead. Spoiler alert. Yeah. His mom, who looks weirdly like Soren, kind of. Oh, yeah, she does, she does, doesn't she? Yeah, that's a little weird. I'm going to not get their ace support on this run, I don't think. Probably not. <laughs> um, Basically, like, again, it's the prologue, so there's really not much here. Although I did note something sort of interesting. Um, well, because at first you fight Boy, and they're teaching a little bit about the weapon triangle, whatever. I mean, that's it's all pretty missable if you played a Fire Emblem game before. And obviously, if you're this far into our podcast, you've played a Fire Emblem game before. Um, there is something interesting that Grell does say here. He says, give it your all. And I, at first I didn't think about this, but Zelgius also says this line when he activates a special in Fire Emblem Heroes. <laughs> so, of course, we'll talk that... about Zelgius a little bit later. I just thought about the practical reasons for that. He's telling Ike to give it his all because the prologue, Mercenaries, this is Ike's tryout for the Grail Mercenaries. If he doesn't give it his all, he's not going to be in. <laughs> Yeah. And it's possible to lose the tutorial. Oh, really? Yes, it's possible to lose. If you don't take the, if you don't eat the Volinary, you lose the tutorial. Oh, crap. <laughs> uh, yep, and like, you lose the tutorial and Grill tells you, yeah, you're, you're not going in, into the mercenaries. You're not ready. So I've seen it happen before. Interesting stuff. But thankfully, we're not going to lose the tutorial because currently we're playing this on normal mode and we have our helpful hit girl, Anna to help us with the tutorials if we feel like activating them. Yeah, I, I just said no. Yeah, I, I said no too. Although I was just like, hey, it's good to have Anna in the game. Always, always good to have an Anna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boyd comes, he trash talks, we kick his butt, and then Grail tells us, bring it on, bro. And we come at him and we are ready. After we take our Volinary, we kick his butt. And we're in the Grail Mercenaries. Yes. And that's that's our first moments with Grail. We have a legit father-son bonding moment. We see it in the cutscene. We see it in the dialogue. We see it in the action of the mission. Triple threat. That's about as how good a start you can get for a father-son bonding. I love it. We don't really it's a bonding that we don't really get in any other game. Sorry, three houses. Just your dad telling you, you, you kind of telling your dad about dreaming about a girl and then mercenaries coming. It, there wasn't quite that bond there. With this one, we see a little bit of the love. We see Grail teaching us, and we see him kicking our butts. It's awesome. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We also see that Grail doesn't, you know, take it easy on us just because we're the, we're his son. Yes, he KOs us. It's awesome. And, and you have, he had to have been KO'd for a while because you start out in like the middle of the forest and then later on you're kind of sort of in an open plain somewhere. And we can, and you can kind of tell like how hard he ended up getting hit because Mist like freaks out. <laughs> but we are, it's, it's official. Ike is in the Grail Mercenaries and the game can truly begin. Chapter one, the battle begins. We get our first job. Yes. But, 
we're not going to hang out with the big guy. The big guy has other missions to take care of. He's going to take care of a bunch of stuff with some guys named Shinnan and Gatry. They're probably green units we'll never see. But he orders us to be taken out of job with brothers Oscar and Boyd, as well as Titania. I'm just going to say this right here and right now. Titania is my favorite Fire Emblem female design bar none. I'm not I'm not going to argue. That's she has the best armor set of just about any female from just about any category of fantasy, not just Fire Emblem. Yeah, it's she, it's amazing. And then, well, never mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you no. Know, in, in obviously, she shows up in Radiant Dawn as well, and of course, you know that her design's pretty much the same, but it's a little bit more refined, and it's just it's amazing. But anyways, but about Titania herself, like Titania herself, she's really just like your, um, she's kind of like your, she's basically your Jagan, you know, the the unit that you can kind of lean on a little bit for the early chapters of the game, the in case of emergency breakout Titania, and she is. Quite useful in in this game, not only because of of course her good Jagan stats, she has good growths as well. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, she's a little bit like a Seth or what some people may call the Oife, and that she doesn't really fall off, or if she does, she kind of like evens out with the party in the end. Over the course of our uh, seven chapters that we're playing, I leveled her up three times. I got a five, four, and a five. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna stick with Titania the whole time. Sorry, Oscar, you're you're benched. Oh, you're gonna be blessed. Uh, yes, but we have our first th- chapter where we learn about fighting evil bandits because it's a fire. It's what's a fire home game without fighting bandits? Bandits. We fight bandits. They burn down a village. We learn about the weapon weapon triangle, and we kick butts even the, with our four swords that we carried with us. Yeah, what is it about that glitch? Like somehow, that's if you. Glitch. It's some kind of well, it's some kind of it's some kind of glitch that's unique to like the American version, I think. Or if you select really? something, yeah, it's something like if you select to turn something off, it gives you four iron swords in your party or uh, in your uh, inventory. It's I never heard that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's weird a, because I always end up having to be like, dang, and I have to throw away a sword because we don't have a convoy yet. Yeah, I ended up running into that problem early on because it does because early on it actually gives you. Um, several swords and axes and lances for your various characters and I I end up throwing them a lot of, a lot of them away so it's a very generous first chapter including we can get a seraph robe yeah so we either use that for yourself or save it for someone else and leave it in your convoy to never be used until the final chapters of the game like me with most of my characters but Ike we get to see Ike being the noble hero as he faces off with the final boss and he gives the bad guy a chance to run because he's a good guy but he kills him anyway. Yeah, seeing well, seeing Ike's, Ike's uh, humble beginnings here is kind of nice too. And one of the things about Ike, he's not a noble lord, just being a hero, protecting the people. He's just a mercenary out on the job. He's helping people, but he's getting paid to do it. He's the everyday working man, essentially. Nice. It, he's the everyman. It's one of the reasons Ike is great. But that's pretty much how that chapter ends. We go back to the mercenaries, and we probably have dinner and have exchange tales. Things are nice. What could possibly go wrong? Chapter 2. Rescue. We go back to the... We start to meet more of the Grail mercenaries. We meet this guy, Reese. He's wearing robes, so he's our healer. But it turns out he's a sick guy. Poor guy. 
he's not able to go out on missions a lot, but he did receive a letter and gave it to Titania. And in this letter, it appears Mr. and Rolf have been kidnapped. Our little sister and Boyd and Oscar's younger brother. Wait, what? How did this happen? When? What? How? You know, they just, you know, we just, we just, they just happen. Don't question it. Bandits. Fire them. Okay. Yeah, just, we need an excuse to kill more bandits. Here's our excuse. Ignore the plot hole. Uh, Ike hears about this and charges off with Reese, Boyd, and Oscar because siblings were kidnapped. The hero charges in. Duh. But it's a trap for the redheaded knight. Oh, crud. Where's Kent? We don't have Kent with us. All we have is a, all we have is a green knight. Ah, dang it. We screwed it up, but oh well. We get a cutscene where we meet uh, Rolf for the first time. And he's crying, but Miss tells him that boys aren't supposed to cry. Way to be 2005 game. Gosh. <laughs> right. Simple map, but turn three, Titania shows up, and if you're struggling, she'll just kill everything for you. But with the early maps, we see we, we learn about Sickly Reese, and what Sickly Reese is telling you is, don't put the sick guy fighting against bandits. So long as you keep Reese out of harm's way, you're going to stop this map. There's no problem with on, on this map. Yeah, I would say, like, make sure you're, you're using him to heal at every opportunity that you can get. I mean, it's like any real staff unit. Make sure he's always getting, like, some sort of experience. But this is another chapter where we're getting a lot of gear, including some speed wings. It's the second chapter, and we've been giving a Seroth robe and speed wings. And also, this Fire Emblem game is being a little out of the ordinary because the bosses are moving, or they can move. So, something to keep in the back of the mind sometimes. Yeah, every boss in this game actually has a unique quote with Ike, I believe. I don't think I fought uh, Ikanal with Ike, though. I think I just killed him with Titania since, hey, they wanted the redhead at night. Might as well give him to her. Uh, and Titania actually had a battle quote with him, which I thought was a fun quote, so I wrote it down. May the blessing of the goddess be kept from you for all eternity. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh, it's a, Titania. Oh, Titania's the best. Titania? Oh, but... Ah, dang it. Turns out Titania didn't kill the boss. The boss is still alive, and he's got Mist and Rolf. Oh, no. Up in the top right corner of the screen, if you pay attention. A hero saves the day. His name is... Shinon. A single shot right between the eyes? Who else can make a shot like that? No one. That's who. My favorite cocky sniper. Sorry, Inez. Oh, Shinon's such a jerk. I love him. I love Shinon, too. For like a uh, different reason, but we'll get to that. In a, we'll get to that a little bit sooner. Uh, we get to meet Shinon and Gatre, but oh my! We get to meet Shinon, and we'll we'll, ha- we'll we'll talk about Shinon soon because it's time for Chapter Three: Pirates Aground. Unfortunately, they went against Grail's wishes, and unfortunate. And as uh, you know, the leader Grail has to dole out punishment for each one of the people. And even though like everyone's like, "No, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. No, it's my fault." Grail's like, "No." Everyone's going to get punished for this. But unfortunately, they have a lot of jobs that are now coming in, so the punishment will have to wait conveniently. We don't we don't get to be grounded and sent to our room for 10 days, like he said. We have to go fight. Oh, we're not fighting pirates? Uh, we're not fighting bandits? We're fighting pirates instead? Pirates? What? Chapter 3. Pirates are ground. Yeah, we get to fight pirates, and we get to take Shinnan and Gautry with us. We get another Jagan unit, and it's a sniper. When I was replaying this, I thought that uh, I thought that Gatry was an upgraded class too, the armor knight. But no, he's just a plain old knight. He, he's just a he's a level knight. He's like at level eight or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's at a good level. He he's like Oscar in Hector's mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. 
But uh, kind of like how you mentioned with with Reese a second ago, how he said how he kind of tells you without really telling you about like, oh, check this out. Uh, I'm the sick guy. You don't really want to put me out on the front line. They kind of tell you the same thing here. Where I can't remember the exact quote. I didn't write it down, but Gatry and Shinar are like, oh yeah, you know, we hit him with that two combo where you stand in front and then I hit, you know, hit him with arrows from behind like, or something like that. It's like a thunder and lightning approach. I, I, they had a name for it. Yeah, they had a fancy name for it. But basically, they're telling you in story without actually directly saying, hey, player, here's how we work, which is kind of cool. Thank you, video game, for actually making use of your dialogue and making character moments. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Although we could have had Anna tell us this, but eh. We we have Titania. We don't need any other redheads here. But except for Shinon. Ah, uh, Shinon. <laughs> oh, that jerk, that a hole, that wonderful a hole with the wonderful skill provoke. Oh, he has it in this game too. Yeah, he has provoke in this. I, I'm pretty sure he has provoke in this game. Okay. Just, this is the first Fire Emblem game I played where you have skills, so that was a completely new thing to me, and it always confused me as a child just like why does the sniper have a provocability and then i was like oh as i got older i was like oh it's a character choice because everyone wants to hit this guy because he's a jerk <laughs> yep so it's like yeah that's you're telling a story with your skills thank you but we got a pirates to take care of we got a house to save and some mysterious blue guy turquoise hair guys gives us an elixir he has a tattoo on his head or something ah, he's probably he's probably just some random guy we'll never see him again yeah, I think I I think I wrote him down on my original version of the notes, uh, but then I was just like, wait, I don't remember what his name is, but I know he's yeah, I know he shows up later. And he's he's a turquoise haired man. He probably doesn't play any, play any important parts of the plot later on. But there's another person with weird colored hair. There's a pink haired girl in the top left, a green unit, a Pegasus knight fighting pirates. Oh crud! We need to get to her soon. Yeah. Her name is Marcia? Marcia? I always go with Marcia, even though it's probably Marcia. Yeah, I'm going to And my autocorrect, my autocorrect has decided that her name is Maria, so, yeah. Thank you, autocorrect. <laughs> always autocorrect. Yeah. But we have to charge up. Thankfully, with Gautry, Shannon, Ike, and Titania, that's more than enough to take care of a few axes. Ike talks to Mar- Marcia. She rides off. And we... We kill them all. We, we we really kill them all. Yeah, I mean, these the, the first few maps aren't really anything, honestly. It's just, it's it's a lot of setup. It's kind of a tutorial, but, you know, pirates and bandits and small story bits and introductions and things like that. That's why we went seven chapters this time. And I just realized I screwed up and didn't write down the title of the next chapter, so I can only say chapter four, blank. Dang it, I'm a disappointment. Roadside Battle. Ooh, well done. Soren's here. The guy who weirdly kind of looks like our mom, but we're not going to talk about that. Please don't talk about that ever again. <laughs> uh, I have I have wrote down here, Soren has returned, but earlier than expected. He was training with another mercenary group. Uh, he returned early, though, with news that Crimea, that Crimea and Dayan have now gone to war. He obviously didn't do a good job training. He's a level one unit. Come on, Soren. Yeah, he's not that good. Yeah, he's a he's a babysit unit. As soon as I get the chance, I am putting him on the bench. <laughs> you are going to get that chance soon. But we've got we get the news of war, Crimea, Dane unleashing head to head combat. Yeah, 
And it's going really bad for Crimea. Yeah, three days ago, Soren went to the Crimean capital of, uh, I think it's called Melior, uh, to do research in the Royal Library. But uh, things uh, really went south really quick. Apparently, uh, Crimea and Dane have never been on like on friendly terms or anything. So, uh, yeah. And we actually get to talk with our company. We get to have a debate between all the members of the company about what we should do. And Grail, being a good leader, listens to everyone's opinion. It's cool. Grail is being a good leader. He's being a good father, taking everyone's opinion into matters and discussing why he wants to do what he's doing. Uh, and, be- and it's because, you know, he has, he, he says it straight out, you know, we're a mercenary company. You know, we're not really loyal to anyone, even though we do get a lot of, I think Titania brings up that they do end up getting a lot of jobs from like Crimean, like nobles and merchants and stuff. But Soren's, uh, Soren's like, Dane's going to win. Why side with Crimea? We're just going to get destroyed by Dane if we do that. Yeah, I, see, I wrote something down here, but I, I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> We're sent out on patrol to sort of figure out what's going on, try to learn, get a little bit more information. And Dane, because they're attack happy and because they're red units in black armor, just attack us out of nowhere. Yeah, there's actually, well, there's a bunch of like, well, it's not it's not completely unprovoked. Um, there actually are a bunch of like da- dead Dane soldiers around, along with dead Crimean soldiers around. So some something obviously went went down here. Uh, and of course, we get accused of it, so we have to kill everyone. And luckily, we have some great physical units who can take a bunch of shots from this really large army in the first kind of tricky battle, because we've got Soren and Reese with us, and they can't take a single hit, pretty much. Oh, no, no, no. I I almost lost Reese a couple of times because I thought I had him, like, in the perfect spot to where, like, he couldn't be hit or anything. And then I think they got either either I had left him open just slightly or I had a javelin dude. I was like, I was just, like, biting my nails the entire time. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah, I, I'm Iron Manning this one. And thankfully, I didn't lose anyone. But the early game of Path of Radiance, if you lose someone, that can be even more than disproportionately bad compared to other Fire Emblem games, it'd be bad. Yeah, I mean, losing Soren probably isn't too bad, uh, but losing Reese is not... Losing losing Reese is bad because I don't think you get another healer for a good little bit. Until like chapter 8 or 9, I don't think. Yeah. Really. But we fight, up, we fight them, and thankfully we can win this one. Again, there are bushes around to hide Soren and reason that can help out but it's actually a tough battle because there are a lot of enemy units and if you're not careful you can back yourself into a corner yeah it's definitely a map where you just need to i feel like chapter four is where it ramps up a little bit but you basically need to take your time uh not to dive in too quickly or too fast or you know typically the thing is is oh i can put like a character right here and he'll just you know defeat all the people and take eh, a couple of hits will be fine but no if you, like, overreach too much, your characters are going to get killed. I wrote down my the attack quote with my boss, but I didn't write down who, say it, who said it. I think Titania says it, but it might have been I. could have been Shannon. I don't, I don't remember. But, but I like the quote, so I wrote it down. You attacked us. We cannot allow you to return home. Simple as that. We're, we are mercenaries. We will kill you. We wake no bones about it. It's a perfectly happy, fun battle, and we get to... Enjoy the spoils of war, but or actually we don't. Shinnan starts going through the corpses for stuff, and Soren says, "No, we're not. We're not robbing the dead right now." 
honestly, I didn't see the problem with it. That's exactly that's Shannon's argument, and I'm I'll side with Shannon on this one. But oh wait, there's an unconscious woman, hmm. and of course. Soren doesn't like this because Soren doesn't like anything. And with us finding that unconscious green-haired woman, it's time for Chapter 5, Flight. We got ourselves a princess. Yeah, I was about to say, the young woman awakens to uh, reveal herself to be Alencia Riddell Crimea, the daughter of King Ramon. Secret daughter of King Ramon. Yeah, basically her existence was never made public because uh, the king had basically said, yeah, I'm probably not going to have kids, so the next king to be in line would be my brother, Renning. Unfortunately, uh, things happened, and uh, Alencia was born. And so, just because there, because I didn't want to cause any, like, political strife or, like, inner turmoil fighting, her existence was basically kept hidden from, like, the general public. But Dane knows about her, and that's all that matters, because Dane are really trying to kill her, because they don't want anyone rallying. I mean, even though, I mean, even as she basically explains herself, you know, Grell's like, okay, but he's still, he's still skeptical about it. And once again, we get another section where Grail is talking to his company, his group, and being a mercenary leader is just like, I want to hear all of your opinions before I make my decision. Soren and Shinnan want to turn around. Everyone else wants to protect her. <laughs> Especially, um, I don't, th- I don't think we know what t- Titania's deal is quite yet. But, like, Titania's, like, really against it. She's like, no, we have to protect her with everything. Yeah, she, she's super pro-Crimea, it seems, yeah. for some reason. I think we'll Oscar find out is, too. Reasons. Yes. And Boyd and Iker, idealist, who's like, she, we need to protect her. She needs our help without thinking of any other consequences because that's what the heroes in these games do. So basically, you know, we learned that she she was ordered to flip to uh, flee the castle so she could seek um, shelter in Gallia. But you know, she was discovered, and her night escorts were killed. That's you know some of those bodies we saw like in the previous map. And after this, she's like, "Grail, you know, can I ask you to take me to Gallia instead?" Yeah, it's and it seems like there is a legit chance that we are we might not do this. Shinnan and Soren are making legitimate points, but our decision is made for us. As Grail points out, do you guys hear that? It's nothing. They're attacking. Yeah. And we got our first defense chapter. Oh, we got a good, we got a quote from Rolf here before that happened, though. We got trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I just wrote that down. I was just like, oh, that's, that's funny. Well done, Rolf. We got our first defense chapter. Thankfully, it's a simple one where we only have to protect the South and the West because Grail's got the rest of it because Grail is just that powerful and awesome. Sadly, we don't get to see him being awesome and protecting us from everyone, but hey, he got this. The results speak for themselves. I kind of like this because it's a a map that happens at nighttime. I believe it does. Yeah, it's a a nighttime map. That's why it's uh, a fog of war because you can't see anybody. That's coming your way, and I don't believe um, torches are available to you right now either. No, we just have to put our defensive people up front and pray. Thankfully, again, not not a difficult chapter. It's just the first defense one, sort of telling you how defense works. But not not, not the super. We're we're no longer in super duper easy map mode. We're just in standard map mode. Yeah, very, I'm very, I'm very happy about the progression of the difficulty of the maps so far. Yeah, and you and for this one, you just have to survive a few turns. So. 
after you basically, again, nothing real difficult, just sort of know where to put your units. No, be careful not to like overreach with a character like Reese. Um, same thing with Soren. Same thing with, well, Shidon's usually fine, but still, you know, be careful to keep him out of like enemy, like javelin throwers and stuff. But we win the map, and since Dane has made the decision for us, we're escorting Alencia to Gallia. We, everyone, pack your things, including the packing of the say they like. We end up ordering Alencia to sort of, hey, you help with the packing. You're you're with us now. You're one of us. That means you get to help pack. But she's a princess. She's a princess, but she's totally cool with it. Yeah, Alencia ends up helping Mist, and uh, Mist shows her the medallion, which uh, apparently started glowing recently. So uh... yeah, it has that weird fiery glow around this emblem of some sort. Yeah, it's uh, it's nothing. Then we get to we get a little peek into Dane. What's going on there? We see one of their generals of some sort, Petrine, being consulted by their tactician. Wait, the enemies have tacticians in this game? Cardinals, <laughs> as oh, you know, only we can have tacticians as the protagonist. Come on, get real. Oh crud! We we don't have we don't have Mark. We don't have Byleth. We don't we don't. Dude, we don't even have Corin. We don't have a tactician on our team. Actually, Soren's a tactician. Never mind. Yeah, but he's he's tactically scanning the bench. So I mean, yeah. But anyways, we learn from um, we learn from this tactician. Her name is Ina E N A. That Ashnard has now conquered the city of Melior. Bad times. Yeah, it's not it's it's not sounding good for uh, for Alencia. But we gotta keep moving. It's time to keep running with chapter six, a brief diversion. Time to split up because nothing goes wrong with splitting up. Grail takes it on himself to protect us by diverting most of the forces with himself, Gotri, and Shinon, because they're the th- because they're three really strong units and can distract and defend everyone, while everyone else has to split up, go down a bridge, and escape the map. We get our first escape map. There's not really much story progression on this one. Going to be honest. We do learn a we turn we do turn uh, we do learn a couple of things. We learn that Ike has never seen a Lagoose before. And you, we learn that uh, Shinon is a racist. Yeah, Shinon's out here just calling everyone, calling them all subhumans. Yeah, basically, he, he's teaching Ike. He's teaching Ike about subhumans. This is this is the subhuman teaching hour featuring Shinon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Shinon basically just calls them subhumans and subhumans and subhumans. Um, he never uses their actual term, but we also get to see a little bit about how. Again, like I said, how racist Shinon is. And this is the thing that I actually was going to, this is actually what I was talking about just a few minutes ago where I said, oh, you'll, this is why I like Shinon. I like Shinon because he is a racist. And I know that sounds really weird, but like a lot of times you're shown, you're told something, but you're never really shown something with Shinon. You know it and you see it and you have that contrast compared to someone like Ike who doesn't know, um, what the Lugus are. And we'll kind of see this play out through some other characters, too. But Shinon's your first little glimpse into, you know, how people feel about Lagoos in this world. And Shinon, he doesn't really seem it right now, but he does have more dimensions. And it's just like, can I, I can't like this guy. He must be a villain. He must be a bad guy. He, he's a horribly racist person, but he also is a three-dimensional quality in that he has other characteristics. And it's just like, do we just, do we just th- throw... Everything he says, we throw him in the garbage pile because he has garbage tendencies. It's just like that's 
a question you have to talk about yourself in real life with real people, especially with what's going on in the world. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Shino's just, he's just your first little glimpse of this. We'll see some, like, terrible stuff a little bit later on. Not, not on this, uh, not on this recording, but probably the next one. Oh, yeah. It's it, the next set of recordings. Oh, there's some good stuff. We also see a little bit more about Shinon as well. And basically, even though Shinon's being, you know, a little racist here, and he's basically saying, Ike, you know nothing about the world and you're supposed to be a mercenary. Like, even though, even though, you know, Shinon's running down the Lagoos, he's like, okay, this is Gallia. This is the place where blah, 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 blah. He knows all the stuff about Gallia. Yeah, he, he is teaching you with blinders, but he's teaching you. And I think this is a part where uh, we see, I, I, I seem to miss a little bit right here, but I put Grail values Soren's opinion, and I don't remember what this is, so maybe you can enlighten me on that card list. In cha- I'm, I, I, I'm really not going to have anything for you, because in Chapter 6 of Brief Version, here are my notes. Grail splits up and we escape to the south. Two paths, only one needs to be gone down. Oh, there, you know what that, I did? There, Apologies. I, did, I didn't really have anything. Apologies to the listeners. I wrote my notes, I think, backwards. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, don't play games and write notes at stupidly late times of the night. So yeah, sorry about that. Don't worry, I'm gonna make for up for it because I got a ton of notes for chapter seven. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, that's where the good stuff happens. Yeah, so when you start out on this map, basically you can either take a couple different paths. You can actually kind of like sneak your guys through the forest and then get to like the bridge that's on the left side of the map. And once you get to that, once you get to that bridge, you can pop out and then take a couple of guys out and they'll be like, oh no, they're here. Or you can just jump out right away and take the fight to them. Now, the first two times I did this map, um, the first time I got a game over and the second time I also got a game over, again, don't play games when you should probably be asleep. <laughs> um, but, but the third time I actually got this, I got this map right. Yeah, I I, I just took the approach of kill them all, split up, bring it on. Because at this point, I was having some good level ups. Like, my Titania was godly. My uh, Ike was really good because Ike's going to be really good. My Boyd was really good. The only person that I was getting RNG screwed with was Oscar. But this one mostly had axe people, so I wasn't really worried about that. Yeah, on my first uh on my first game over, I got a level zero uh, I got a zero level up, followed by a one stat level up, which I think was just like luck. And then on the second game over I lost Reese, and then I lost Ike like right afterwards, so luckily I dodged any of those things, so so far no losses. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had any losses yet with the Iron Man, but episode two that might change. We'll see. But chapter six, we charge through, no problems whatsoever. Kill them all. Everyone escapes. Everyone has a little escape quote. If you want to go through individually, just to get a little bit more flavor, if you feel like it, and not much to say, just escape. Story doesn't progress much. We just get to Gallia, moving towards Gallia before we get to Chapter Seven, Shades of Evil. So Ike and company can't find Grail, but they do see some activity outside of the fort. And upon checking it out, it's day and troops. A trap has been sprung. We got cornered. Literally, we're stuck in a corner of the map. Time to fight. But we get some reinforcements on this map because on the first, it was either the first or second turn. Mia shows up. Mia. 
Yeah, just randomly this purple-headed sword lady just shows up. Well, she does say she does say that she was hired. Um, she was hired as a mercenary, but got captured, and then Grail freed her, and he's a little ways up north. We get our information from Grail. We get a new member of the Grail mercenaries. Thanks for joining us, Mia. It's good to have another sword person with us to fight all of these armor knights. Yeah, <laughs> she kept activating some skill, and it was just clink, clink. Clink, I'm like, Mia, you're just using up your sword with zero damage. Please stop. Mia, your job is to hold the ch- chest keys and go open up all the chests in this level. A little ways into the map, uh, General Petrine arrives. But wait, who's that off in the distance on the other side of the fort? And why is Ike just sort of charging through all the people to go talk to them? Because that's a weird cutscene thing. Rather than do the usual, oh, we're staying on the other side of the map and we're just sort of shouting at each other that they actually had... Ike moving through the enemy forces just to sort of talk to Grail, Shannon, and Gautry when they show up to save the day. Oh, well. Grail goes off to fight Patrine of the Four Riders, and time to fight a bunch of armor knights and soldiers. Again, another great place to debut a sword user who can barely do damage. Yep, perfect. Absolutely perfect. The boss for this level, I thought he looked a little bit too unique just to be like a boss, because he had like actual like anime-colored hair. Yeah, he didn't look like a normal antagonist, but eh, I, th- this one was a good boss. That he should have moved. He should have. He should have been a moving boss. He should have been more of a threat because he's just a big and he's the first big nasty looking magic user we fought. But he's just like, eh, I'm going to stay here with my, my Elfire. Yeah, because the people that are are around him actually move. At least they move for me, anyways. Yeah, he he, he doesn't move. I, he he's one of the few bosses I wish would move because like he would have been a really tough challenge I could have seen if he had. Yeah, well, not I'm not him, but like the knights and stuff that are around him, they move. Yeah, but... which which is weird because like okay, there are there armored forces, and they just move away from him, and like okay, now I can go in there with like a sword user or anybody and just like kill him instantly. Yeah, it's it, it's an okay map. It's just it's a map where Boyd and Titania can get their axes to use. Yeah, what I, what I really do like about this map is there's actually a lot of storytelling in this map. Um, you know, a lot of time in Fire Emblem, it's sort of like, okay, you have, you know, the beginning story stuff. There's everyone talking, and then you go to the map, and then you do the thing in the map, and then you have the ending where everyone kind of gets together again, and we move on to the next chapter. But, like, for this entire map, you have you have um, a short intro, then you got some story, and then you got to play again, you got a little bit of story again. So it kind of, like, goes back and forth, which is pretty neat. It does. That's a fair enough point, but... The real meat of this one is what happens after the map. After you beat Mr. Magic User, stuff goes down. Oh my goodness, it goes down. Yeah. So you eventually catch up to Grail, and his mercenaries are surrounded now. And it's not looking really good. But all of a sudden, right, all of a sudden this dude shows up. And he's like, hey, I'm part of the Gallia mercenaries. I'm part of the Gallia reinforcements. So uh, unless you want to mess with us, y'all better go. And luckily, people in Dane are think of them as subhumans and are scared of them, as most of the average people will meet in the future. They all run away. Patrine is ticked off, but she can't handle us and Grail and Gallia fighters on her own. And she really doesn't want to retreat. And she knows that Ashnard, she even says, like, Ashnard will execute me if I retreat. But uh, we get someone that shows up. Someone with his own theme song. A man clad in black armor called, get this, the Black Knight. Basically says he'll explain everything. And then he has sort of a stare down with Grail. And uh, after that, the Black Knight just kind of leaves. 
All right, let's meet our new animal friends. Let's meet our new subhuman friends, as Ike says. Rainoff gives him a what? Basically, just shuts him down instantly. He's like, "Excuse me, what do you mean subhuman? Are you saying because that you know?" Oh, I can't remember. He goes on a whole tangent, and Ike's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! I didn't know. Or is it Lagoos that you prefer to be called?" And uh, I think Rainoff kind of cools off just a little bit, and he's just like, "He's like, yeah, Lagoos," but. Again, Ike's in a place of ignorance here because he really hasn't seen too much of the world. He legitimately thinks they're called subhumans. Thanks, Shannon. But we do learn that these reinforcements were actually called to by Alencia once she she missed and uh, Rolf got to Gallia. And um, it's right here that uh, Alencia learns the news that her parents have been murdered by Ashnard. I'm sorry to hear that we had some parents being murdered. Luckily, that won't happen again for another five minutes or so. Yeah, so uh, Rainoff basically, so after like a little bit of conversation, you know, Rainoff says he'll bring Alencia to uh, King Kanegis's, uh place. And the mercenaries will set up in an old castle in Gallia while uh, Rainoff kind of like, you know, lets them in. So I'm guessing they don't really get many like actual humans there. So I guess Rainoff has to kind of like say, hey... Here's what's here's what the deal is. Um, unfortunately, um, our chapter isn't over yet. As we see, uh, the shit the scene basically shift to nighttime when we see Grail leaving late at night. And Ike's like, "Wait a second, where he's where where are you going?" He goes off on his own, but Ike catches up to him, and they have a father son talk. It's not just like, "Okay, go away." It's they have a little bit of a talk, but. Ike ends up being, in the end, Ike is told, you have to go back to the mercenaries. He does, but Ike being Ike just he's like, I'm going to do my own thing. He goes back to see what the heck is going on with Grail because Grail's acting weird. Ike and, Ike and Grail have a good father-son relationship. Ike knows when something is wrong, and we, and we can see that because we got to see the, a relationship between them. Relationships are good fire emblem. If you're going to keep showing the father-son thing, actually show the relationship. Yeah, I mean, even this conversation before they go, like, Ike's like, you know, why are you putting me in charge and giving me so many orders? Or, or allowing me to give so many orders to, like, your dudes? And Grell, you know, he basically tells them that, you know, everything will fall into place once you actually get real-world experience. So, just in that conversation, and thinking back to, like, the previous six chapters, where Ike's had to be like, okay, um, how do I do this and how do I do that? Ike's, or uh, Grell's essentially throwing Ike into the fire so he can get real experience because he knows that one day Ike is going to have to lead the mercenary group. And he knows that day might be sooner than he originally thought. Yeah. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we got our second cutscene. We get a cutscene with Ike running up and seeing a fight between Grail and the Black Knight. And Man, I really like this cutscene. It's set up so well. Like, the the way you see it, Ike standing in sort of the center, but he's still a little bit ways back, the moon shining overhead. You kind of have like this, a uh, little bit of a, not quite an open field, but the area is a little bit open. You have Ike's, or I'm assuming you have Grail attacking the Black Knight with his two-handed axe, the Irvin. You have the Black Knight, you know, countering him, and he's just like, you know, is that is that all you got? Man, use this. And he throws him a golden sword, one that looks exactly like, you know, the black one the Black Knight's using. Grail picks it up because, you know, he, he picks it up and he's like, you know, I don't use this or I don't need this. I have all that I need right here. And he goes and picks up his axe again, but unfortunately he doesn't realize there's a weapon triangle in the game. Yes. But one, a little thing that we learned, we learn 
that the from the Black Knight that Grail taught the Black Knight how to fight. But wait, the Black Knight's a Dane soldier. What? What? What's going? He even actually calls him out. He calls him General Gawain of the Four Riders. Oh snap! And if you kind of peel it peel it back just a little bit, we know that General Patrine is also of Dane's Four Riders. So now we know that you know Gawain or Grail actually used to be a Dane soldier, high-ranking Dane general. The Black Knight is asking about it, whatever it is, but Grail says he threw it away. The fight, the fight only goes on a little bit longer, and unfortunately Grail's stabbed by the Black Knight, impaled. No, cha- no challenge, no resistance. Is that all there is? It, and it was a good fight. It was what, One thing I like about this is that normally in some tropes and some movies and stuff like this, when you have this moment where the mentor dies, it, it can it can tend to be the like Obi Wan just like accepting it. No, Grail is trying to fight back. He's just like doesn't stand a chance against the Black Knight. Dear Lord, this Black Knight is so powerful. How are, how could anyone stop him? It's um, it's heartbreaking too because as we've kind of built it up a little bit here, you know, mm-hmm. Grail has been this. He's been a force, um, for Ike. For the other Grail mercenaries, he's been here like the entire time. He's not been like, "Oh, hey, I'm the mercenary guy, and now I'm kind of gone." You know, like they tried to mirror the, well, they tried to mirror this relationship a bit with Geralt and Byleth, but there's no investment, I think, for this to make it feel sad. With Byleth and Geralt, they're thinking back on that game. There was only like one really good father son moment, and that was the moment where if you find Geralt by the grave, and you can you can have the optional conversation about your mother and visiting your mother's grave. That's like one of the only really good moments you have together. You also kind of have a moment where you talk about the ring that he eventually gives you, but honestly, there are not enough moments between you and Geralt. Geralt is just mystery. While with Grail, we just we feel like we know who he is. We know we feel the father son bonds. We feel the love. But then in these last moments, all of a sudden, a mystery reveals itself. We still get the moments of the bonds. We still see the strong father figure. We still see the strong mercenary. But all of a sudden, mystery on the side now. Just and it's not his entire character. The entire character is based on him being a father, him being the leader of the Grail mercenaries, and him keeping the secret stashed away for years. And we finally get a reveal of the secret. It's this is how you do a father character. It's so nice. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, and even even now as we're talking about this, like we only know like part of the story. I again, it's been so long since I played Path of Radiance, but I believe a little bit more is revealed later on in this game that makes you go, oh crap. But even like even like right here, Grail actually isn't dead. Like he's still alive somewhat. And Ike, you know, starts trying his own look against the Black Knight. And obviously, you know, as we've established, Ike's nowhere near close to Grail. And this guy's beating Grail. So unfortunately Ike is uh he's taken down. But before, you know, the Black Knight can finish him off, uh, we hear the roar of the Galleon King. Or at least it's told to us that's the Galleon King, and the Black Knight warps away. And then we see some really nice of Ike dragging Grail through the rain. Grail tells us to live in peace in Galia and to take care of Mist and the company. 
Ike is begging him. He's like, no, come on, you can, you can, you can keep going. We can take you back. And we see that Grail is a, Grail's a pretty large, tall dude. And if you, and, and, and by now you've seen what Ike looks like in Radiant Dawn. So we obviously, we can always, we can kind of get, um, a little bit of a hint, I believe, sort of based on genetics, I'd guess, you know, about how big, you know, Grail is and how strong and how heavy he is. And unfortunately, Grail just, he just passes right there. After that, we get a little flashback moment of Grail training Ike. Just another moment of bonding, another moment of love between the two. And we end the talk, the chapter with an image of Mist and Ike standing over the Grail, the grave of Grail with his axe and Mist crying. I've got, uh, I've got a bonus conversation here. And this is from, uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. This is the, Valentine's Day version of Grail. They don't have a standard version of him in the in the game as of this recording. Uh, but his level 40 conversation goes like this. As mercenaries, we fight and win. We have to stay in the perfect condition or we won't survive. The job, if you, if you do survive, and all that fighting wears on you, believe me, I know. There is no magic medicine that will he- heal that wear and tear on your heart. Money, status, honor. They won't do the trick either. It's people who help my comrades, and more than that, my children, that lift my spirits. It's thanks to them I can see a path forward. I'm truly grateful to them from the bottom of my heart. And that... that yes. <laughs> that, I know typically we try to keep it to one support, but I, I, out of curiosity, I went through and looked at uh, looked it up this, 40, this uh, level 40 conversation. I was like, I can't, we can't go on without doing that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's girl. He loved his children so much. He loved his wife so much. You know, it's, it's not, as we kind of, as we've been kind of hinting, you know, all throughout this, you don't really get a lot of Fire Emblem, uh, fathers that are really there or helpful or influential, influential. Or if they are, like, you don't really get to see them. Like, you know, you think about Lucina and Crom, you know, we're told that, you know, oh, Crom was this great guy and, you know, he trained Lucina. And then you don't really get to see that because of the, a time skip. We got Elbert and Fire Emblem 7 where we hear the stories about like, oh yes, uh, Elliewood loves his father and he's a good uh, leader, but we have to go on this adventure and we see him protecting Niles and Ninian so we know he's a good guy, but we never get the father-son bonding that we that really make a great character. Yeah, and then we get... Um... And, and, and like even Elliewood, I mean, we talk about how much we like Elliewood on here, but like in FE six, the binding blade, like he's really not around that much. I believe he's there in like the intro, but he's sickly. So he can't go out. So Roy starts doing his fighting for him. So we don't really get to see that, but I will say there is a, uh, there is a father figure, um, who ends up not starting out as a father figure, but he ends up having to step up to the plate because of circumstances. And I, I wasn't really sure where to put this, but I figured, Hey, uh, we don't get really get a chance to talk about genealogy in Thracia due to our limited knowledge, but Finn, um, basically after Quan and Eflin pass away and Lakesha shows up with a baby before she just mysteriously vanishes, he's basically, Quan, or sorry, Finn is like 15 and he basically spends like the next 15 or so years ducking in and out of towns, um, keeping Leaf and Nana hidden uh, from from their pursuers, often going hungry and things, you know, so they can eat, sacrificing his own well-being and his his own good. 
Um, I think they, I believe they eventually settle down in a village. Um, and then they get found when Leaf's like 15 or so. But, uh, yeah, I kind of wanted to throw a genealogy and Thracia thing in there. But I think that concludes our time on this episode of the Emblem Support Podcast. So, I, again, I don't really know the way forward for Path of Radiance. I'm depending on you for this card, Wiz. So, how many chapters are we'll be playing next time and discussing? I think we can play quite a few chapters. I think there's a natural cutting off point at chapter 13. So I think we can, I think we can go all the way through there. That's a, I think that's a good start stopping point. That sounds good. That sounds good. I actually had to stop myself from continuing on. I actually wrote down my notes chapter 8. And I was just like, "Oh wait, we're supposed to stop right here." I may or may not have started up a, another file just so I could play past the point where we stopped. Nice. And, and on that one, my Reese is a god. I don't know how it's happening, but I'm getting the best Reese levels ups ever. So I'm going to keep on playing that one. When, once I get Reese to level 21 on that one, he's going to probably be my best unit on that backup playthrough. <laughs> well, we hope you've enjoyed uh, this chapter, this episode of the Emblem Support Podcast. As always, you can follow us at Plan Ordo, at KD Corley, and at Emblem Supports. With all that said, chapter complete.